This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello again, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast, Ballsy. I am Evan Grant, along with David Moore, and joining us uh, from his fountain um, is Kevin Sherrington, a columnist who apparently, you have a fountain at home? You're actually in the fountain, or what's the, can you clarify? That's typical of uh, Evan's kind of reporting there. I was not, I'm not in the fountain, I just have a fountain. Uh, and Evan was hearing the the uh, the sweet refrain of water, and uh, uh, he thought I was running a bath while I was uh, doing the podcast. So, no, that was not the case. Well, some as, as somebody who believes in the integrity of all sound on the pad- podcast, uh, I heard this water running, and it concerned me. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you were concerned about the fact that maybe uh, my house was being inundated, but that was not the case. The- this is on the same scale of the fountains you'll see, like the Trevi Fountain in, in Rome or something like that. It's on that scale, I take it? Well, I was, I was thinking, actually, it's more along the lines of uh, it, uh, in Las Vegas at uh, the, the uh, <laughs> you know, when you Bellagio, see it there, The Bellagio, Bellagio Fountain. Bellagio, yeah, the dancing right. waters of the Sherrington House. That's right. Yeah. We, 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 usually we have the music going with it, you know, time to say goodbye, you know, with the... Uh, you know, the tenor and, and all of that. Oh, it's I thought really you guys nice. just, I is thought it, for your Christmas. at night? <laughs> the neighbors love it when we're playing that, and that, that's going. Don't for it's Christmas really every year, don't you guys do your Christmas card like a recreation of the Friends opening? <laughs> no, we do not do that. We do not send out a Christmas card. We send out invitations to our Christmas party, but we don't send out a Christmas card. So. Oh, I didn't know about that. I didn't parties. know about that either. A, he's got parties, <laughs> yeah. apparently. Uh, everybody, we're not on everybody the, the morning news gets invited to the party. We'll that just, is sure. that news. We'll just yeah. skip that part, David. Of course, uh, so. He always holds it on the on a Sunday night game for the Cowboys. Exactly. He's very, and it's, and it's he's very clever about doing that. Oh. Here's the ticket on that, David. This is, this is the literal truth. <laughs> We've had this party now for over 30 years, uh, and, and, part of the, and part of the deal with the party is you come, you have to bring a present, and then we donate those presents uh, to uh, uh, to your uh, children charities here, <laughs> yeah. and uh, get to my children. Jay. And it, at any rate, that's been a big success, and we enjoy doing that. But early on in the process of this, uh, specifically after Doug Bedell came out of our party and was drunk and threw, uh, as I was cleaning stuff up, knocked it all out of my hand and went flying in the air. I think it was like at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I told Debbie we were not having this party anymore on a Friday or Saturday night because people can sleep in the next day. Let's have it on Sunday night, and that way they have to go home in time to get up the next day to go to work. So that is why we had the party on Sundays. 
except this year, I think we're going to have it on Saturday. <laughs> oh, good. Then after I'll, all of that, I'll I'll, yeah, I'll show up and uh, I'll I'll send you my bar order in just a little while, Kevin. <laughs> good for you. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Rangers, who have a lot going on this week, which is um, to watch the World Series, in which they're not involved. Um, Kevin, do you have any thoughts yeah. on on this World Series and any um, I don't know lessons the Rangers could take from it? Oh, you know, uh, uh, I want to go back to something that a discussion that I had uh, at a lunch uh, with myself, Barry Horn and our old pal Phil Rogers, uh, in which Phil was Phil, a longtime baseball writer, both in this market and in Chicago. Uh, his point was that the Rangers were going about their rebuild all the wrong way, that they didn't have the guts to tank, uh, which is what they have to do. you got to strip it down, start all over, get higher draft picks, and, and do well on those. And, and uh, you know, uh, I have a lot of respect for Phil, but I just – was thinking, you know, no, I, I think that every situation demands, you know, you to look at all your you know, perspectives and prospects and what you should be doing and how you should do this kind of thing. And in the Rangers' case, uh, I, I can't criticize them for not bailing up here because, first of all, you, you strip down when you have older, expensive players, you know, if, if you're not any good, and you sell off your best parts, and then you get young guys uh, and young prospects for that. Well, the Rangers were in the rare uh, situation where they didn't have a lot of expensive, high-priced you know, uh, players that they could sell off, older players they could sell off. They were already a team full of young guys uh, and, and who were already getting their chances to play. And, uh, and the guys that they could have traded, as, as we saw at the trade deadline last summer, uh, a Mike Miner in particular, uh, I don't. I don't think we ever heard what they might have been offered for him. But I did not have a problem with them not trading him if they didn't get what they wanted. Uh, there's no sense, you know, trading him for a, a, a fringe prospect or two uh, because uh, you've got Miner under contract, uh, and uh, I think there was a, 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 enough of a feeling that that perhaps that he could continue this. He doesn't have a lot of of innings under his belt. And so maybe this is a guy who could be good for you for three or four years. And then at that point, maybe help usher in the next wave of Rangers contention. So uh, I guess to your question about what this, what is this, what does this tell me? I think this is something that we have seen. Uh, and when we, when we look at all this is that, uh, that, you know, if you look at what the, the, the Rangers wrote, I mean, the, the Astros rotation, if we look at the Nationals rotation, the, the, the fronts of those rotations are all guys that they acquired either through free agency or trades. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's, it's not that out of the realm of possibility that the Rangers could do the same thing. They're just going to have to uh, get some of these other parts of their, of their uh, team going as well. Well, let me tell you what I think about that. Um, okay. <laughs> first of all, Phil has trotted out this they need to tank theory to me too. And my my point on this is when the Astros were the one real successful team with the whole tanking element, um, they were the only team to do it. This year there were um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
nine, ten teams in Major League Baseball with 90 or more losses. Um, and so there are more than one team right now trying to tank. And so the idea that, hey, if we just suck it up really bad and we'll be guaranteed a top five pick, that doesn't play as much anymore because you could still be stuck at eight or nine where the, the there's a big line of – of uh, usually a big line of demarcation between between players who are guaranteed to be not guaranteed but more certain to be big league contributors and and more of a guessing game. Uh, the second part of this whole thing is that I, I think if Ranger fans look at Houston and if the Rangers who are doing their organizational meetings right now in in Phoenix look at this World Series, um, they will see that it is a long process to rebuild a club, no matter how you do it. You may – there have been some teams with deep pockets who have been willing to invest um, and go close to the, tax, the, the luxury tax threshold and may catch lightning in a bottle for a year. But to build a team that is going to have a legitimate window of opportunity, it takes time. The Astros are playing in their, their second World Series in the last three years. They've been to three consecutive AL Championship Series. They went through six losing seasons in a row um, and stocked up on – they did stock up on top draft picks. The Nationals, at basically the same time period, went through six losing seasons in a row. Now, we're not hearing as much about the Nationals because they didn't advance, but they did make the playoffs four previous times. They just didn't advance from the Division Series while they had Bryce Harper. Um, Bryce Harper was the number one pick overall. Steven Strasburg was the number one pick overall. Anthony Rendon was the number six pick overall. On the other side of it, you look at the Astros, and their club is comprised of a number one pick in um, Carlos Correa, a number six, a number two pick in Alex Bregman, and a number 11 pick in George Springer. And, and my point is that there is some element of it takes time to have a few – uh, upper tier draft picks um, and you have to hit on them and the Rangers have not done that uh, the Rangers have not nearly developed as well as those other two, as the other two teams have when it comes to international free agency um, we look at the Astros and Jose Altuve look at the Nationals and Juan Soto who doesn't turn 21 until Saturday and yes you can import some starting import some starting pitching, and that's what successful teams are doing right now. But it's incumbent upon the Rangers to do a better job of drafting and developing. And I think that where we stand here at the end of 2019 is that the Rangers can only look at their roster right now, their roster of position players, and kind of shrug their shoulders and say, we still don't know what we have. Uh, and that, to me, just adds to the length of time that it, it takes to develop a championship club. Yeah, I think, yeah. again, on the outside, just very quick, I was going to say, looking at this Ranger season from the outside, I just I looked at it and went, what, how are they further along in their personnel assessment from when they were to start this season? How many definitive answers did they get which allow them to focus their attention and make better decisions going forward? And I just... I didn't get the sense that they came out of this season with enough conclusive answers on key players about whether or not they wanted them to be part of this going forward that now you just have to you have to 
you know, widen your net. And that that's always more difficult. I mean, the, that, that's the other thing. I mean, the, uh, you, you know, the Astros, the Astros especially, I can talk more about them, but, you know, the National, I mean, as they were going through these six years, each of those years they were going, okay, now this guy is going to be a piece going forward. You know, these two guys, not so much. So, and then they were able to, to build and actually focus on positions they wanted to do going forward. I, I just don't, the, the, the Rangers still just have so many things they need that I, I don't know that they can do that. Uh, there's no, I, I, I think what's clear, and I think Kevin, Kevin and I are pretty firm in agreement here. I don't think there's any way, and I know Kevin's probably more, I, I don't want to speak entirely for you, but I think you're you're more of um, on the side of endorsing spending a significant more amount of money. I, I think we've talked about that, that they'll probably increase their payroll by about thirty million. I think you're you'd be willing to say, hey, they should go up to one seventy five or one eighty, which would be a forty five or fifty million dollar increase, right? Uh, yeah, I think that there's no question in my mind that you have to do that just for. Because because of what we were just talking about, uh, all right, uh, you know, Phil says they should they should bottom out uh, and then just cut payroll, bottom out, you know, acquire draft picks, uh, build, and then you're talking about probably six or seven years, starting from right now. If you did that, if that was the plan you had, which just seems abysmal to do that going into a new ballpark, so you're going into a new ballpark with with uh, bigger revenue streams, you're going to be making more money. Uh, there's to me, if you've taken this approach, then you can't say you can't say well, we're just going to go right down the middle here. You know, we're right. we're going to just. I, I, I'm not saying that the I'm not saying that the Rangers should should uh, should go up over 200 you know million and and try to compete with those teams and and try to decide. You know, you should make a run at a Garrett Cole, but I don't think that that's a realistic plan. I don't think that Anthony Rendon is a realistic plan. I don't think that that spending that kind of money. We 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 saw what happened when. When Tom Hicks went out and got a Rod, spent two hundred fifty-two million dollars. A guy of that caliber, he was everything that the Raiders hoped he would be. He was great. He was a Hall of Famer, uh, but it, it didn't mean anything to that club because it didn't have enough other pieces to go around him. So one guy or two guys is not going to be enough. They they need a first baseman. They need a third baseman. They need a another starting pitcher. They probably need two more starting pitchers. Uh, they might. And they they probably need more help in the bullpen as well. There's a lot of things that they need but i also think if they should go into this season with a little good faith i think they should should take the, the approach that if we can add a a quality third baseman that's probably going to mean somebody like mike mustakas if we can add a first baseman and i'm not sure who that would be at this point if we can add let, let's say a dallas keiko is our our third starter uh then then we go into next season, and if these things break right, if the guys that we saw last year, and to David's point, he's right, they didn't get nearly enough answers this year for, for what they needed to see from, from a lot of players. And, and as a matter of fact, some players, uh, Elvis Andrus in particular, went backwards uh, this year that, you, that the Rangers had counted on. Uh, but they did see something from Willie Calhoun. They did have a lot they saw from Joey Gallo before he got hurt. Uh, and then he saw something from Danny Santana. I'm interested to see if he can duplicate that and become the Rangers' everyday center fielder. Well, then, then you're talking about things being uh, a lot more promising than what, we, what we've seen so far. And I have to believe that at some point 
that either Rudy Odor is going to be the player they always thought he was going to be, or they're going to have to make another decision. And then that they, they do have something there that's possible in replacement in a Nick Solak. So they do have some, they do have some possibilities at, at any rate. And I'm, and I'm trying to look at this like, you know, uh, there are things that the Rangers can do. And I, I think they're within the realm of possibility. It is going to require them to spend a little more money than they want to spend. They haven't been spending any money the last few years, uh, certainly, you know, and I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, but now I think is a time going into the new ballpark. You're going to be making more money. You need to spend a little bit of, of that and show some good faith to the fans. But Kevin, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't. I, you know, I've always got this. I, I get a little bit nervous about spending other people's money because it's easy to do, right? I, but, but I, I have been told that the indication is that the payroll will go up and that the payroll will go up about about $30 million. So I've been operating with, with that set of, of, of facts, um, or suppositions. Um, I, I think it is important for this team to get incrementally better because you can't just continue to tread water in the lower third of major league baseball. You just can't. Um, and if you're not going to tank and I applaud teams that don't tank because I, I, I think the idea is that you're supposed to try and run out there even you're supposed to try and win, even if you don't have the same resources that other teams may have at that point. You're supposed to try and win. I just think that what I see is a gap with the Astros and slightly lesser extent with Oakland that is that is significant in the American League West. I don't think it's. I don't think it is um, broachable this year. Uh, I, I think it's going to take more than one year, but. I'm also I get more and more concerned about this team's ability to develop and draft players because they simply have not had success on this level. You know, it, it, no matter how you measure it up, when it comes to developing and drafting players, this team has not had the same success or or close to the same success as any of the elite teams. And that is how you develop the core of your club, which is yeah. another argument against tearing it down. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, because uh, you have to have that component. You have to, if you had an infrastructure in place where you had a history of developing players and, and you know, this, this progression up through, you go, eh, maybe, you know, it's a little e- more palatable to the fans. They, there's something tangible they've seen in the past. And so they go, okay. But yeah, you don't. And, and, and some teams, every team has a different character. Some teams are better, you know, going off of, of, of picking off talent from other team once they've seen it in the league and incorporating it versus developing Houston's it. Houston's done a great job of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this well, is, he, go ahead, Kevin. Well, here's the thing about, about the, the system and, and what fans don't understand either, uh, and, and this is what drives me crazy, is that fans are just so enamored with prospects and they get so high on them. And it's just like they just don't understand how this thing works and what it's, what it's for. Once you get players, young players established on your team, but let's say that Odor uh, ends up being the player he was supposed to be. Let's say that Norman Mazar does the same thing and Joey Gallo does the same thing. These guys are all 24 and 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if the Raiders decide to keep them, they would be on the team for the next 10 years. They would be just like Elvis Andrus at shortstop, you know. So 
this is the this is the issue that they don't understand. Once you get these young players in place, then there's no place for the players on the that are in the farm system. You know, at that point. Well, and that's you know at at, at that point in look in the case of the Astros, they they drafted and developed Dallas Keuchel, and when he became a free agent, they were in a position where they were they were able to walk away from him after after a Cy Young after winning a Cy Young and and their their rotation I I'm not going to say didn't suffer but uh, they certainly still have a 1-2 combination that very well may win them the World Series uh and Washington is an even more uh glaring example of they decided not to pay the retail cost for for Bryce Harper a player they drafted and developed and decided that they would they would simply move forward with guys like Soto and um uh, to a lesser extent, Michael Taylor and Victor Robles, uh, and the Rangers. On the uh, on, on the other hand, they just have not developed the same kind of players, um, and, and and not even the players that they've traded. You know, there's been so much talk about. Oh, look at they did when they traded for Cole Hamels. You know, they gave up five prospects to the Phillies. Well, show me where those five prospects have turned into stars. You know, right. Uh, a couple of those players have had decent seasons here or there, but for the most part, those guys haven't shown much. If they were still with the with the Rangers, most of those guys they would they, not they be would, making meaningful contributions. No, no, they would not. So, so it's not like that. You know, you can, we can look back at those deals, and certainly the Kyle Hendricks deal was was a bad deal. He's been a very good pitcher for the Cubs. Uh, you know, uh, Tanner Rourke's been a a, a good pitcher uh, in the big leagues, uh, but. The guys that they have given up, by and large, have not been players who would have made a real impact on this organization now. So to the point of uh, that you're making before, yeah, the Rangers have not done a good job in the draft. And I think that's why it was really imperative to this year, and, I, and, and, and Evan, you and I have both written about this, it, by taking two college players in the first round this year uh, that – they, they, they were conceding the fact that, listen, we've got to get guys who are closer to the big leagues, guys who are older, who are not injured, and uh, or who are probably uh, guys who have a, a more pro, uh, prospects of doing well, and put them uh, and, and draft them and hope that they can be in the big leagues in maybe two or three years. Well, it only, it, I, I think the more and more you look at <clears throat> you look at the uh, – the talent pool out there, the more it makes sense uh, to lean towards college players and uh, the development. Certainly high in the draft. High in the draft for sure, and and the development yeah. that we saw this weekend in Major League Baseball trying to present to Minor League Baseball a uh, a proposal that in the next uh, bargaining agreement uh, or working agreement that um, they will eliminate forty, roughly a quarter of the minor league teams in in all of minor league baseball. Uh, is an admission that at this point the big conferences in particular do a better job of mm-hmm. preparing uh, young prospects for both life and and the game than do the lower levels of, of these minor league systems. And so the fact that the Rangers were, I would say, a little bit slow on this, uh, on this tack, uh, again, does – it doesn't speak real well of how they have estimated the 
the uh, the projections of, of of draft talents. You know, they've they've looked for uh, they've looked for these gems, and they haven't hit on any of the necessary minerals to to use in mining. Analogy. <laughs> that was very not a nice mining metaphor there. Well, I, I think that the, the thing too about the Rangers that it strikes me anyway is that there seems to be all right. This is going to be our plan now, all right. And we go with this plan, and then after they've done it for a year or two, they go, you know what? This is going to be our plan now. Uh, and then they go through that for a year or two, and then they come up with a different one. And the one that they've arrived at now is the one that that the teams that we've seen, and of course this is the big comparison, it's not so much talent, the comparison you're making with the Astros, it's just that their analytical, metrics-driven approach to the game, you know, and nobody does that more so than the Astros do, and it and it's certainly working. You know, they're, they're taking guys, they're not only acquiring talent like like a Justin Verlander or a Garrett Cole, uh, they're, they're also taking guys like a Charlie Morton who'd been a more or less a journeyman pitcher, showed him a few things that he needed to be doing, uh, and, he's, and he was not only great for them, he was great after he left and goes to Tampa Bay and is a, uh, is a Cy Young candidate you know, this year. So they're, they're making things happen with their, with their players and their pitchers. Uh, the Rangers are, are, have, uh, have embraced that approach now, and they're, and they're moving forward with that, but their farm system, and to some extent, certainly at the major league level, is full of guys who were not raised in that environment and who have either resisted it or not understood what it is that the Rangers were doing. So now the Rangers have to ask themselves, do our players fit what we're trying to do now? Are they able to embrace this kind of thing? And what they're going to have to ask themselves, can we go forward with these guys if they are not going to be able to grasp what it is we're trying to get them to do? Well, and that's, uh, what, it, that's what adds to some of the... Um to some of the transition can, can add to the length of the transition period. And, uh, you know, it's, if you've got a college, if you've got a college coach who gets fired after running the, the, the triple option and you bring in a coach who's, uh, a pro style offense type guy, uh, it's going to take, it's going to take time, but you're going to go through a couple of years of losing with somebody else's players before you find your type of player to, to run your your offense, and and I think in some regards that's a little bit of what you're saying on, on the um, on the George, on, on the uh, on the Rangers situation. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, I know you have a um, you have a truck to catch. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Can, would can you, you fit your fountain in the truck? I could get the fountain in the truck, actually. I'd hate to have to lift it up in there, but yes, I could do that. Okay. Would you like to make a World Series prediction, Kevin? I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm going to stick with the Astros and go with the Astros in six. David, would you care to – what do you call it? Uh, offer an opinion? Offer. <laughs> what what other in. word I were you going I, with there? I think were I was you... going to weigh in. Oh, I but it was going to be much more my... dismissive than that, but yes. Uh Astros. I mean, the the Nationals are certainly a compelling narrative, but um, Astros have kind of asserted themselves here, and this 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 could go down as one of the best seasons in a long time. Well, I, I, you know, and I, there's extra rounds of the playoffs now, but I think if uh, if the Astros do win the World Series, they'll end up with um, 118 wins, which would tie for fourth most all time, um, including postseason for a club. 
And, and they are the most complete team I've seen really since the '98 Yankees. I don't see a real, a real glaring weakness. Um, I feel like the Nationals were playing as well as anybody, uh, but in a large part, I, I feel that this was um, some of this was fueled on adrenaline towards the end of the season. And I think the worst thing that could happen was they ran through the Cardinals in four games, and they had to take about five days off. That'll cool a club off. Uh, and, and so I, I give the Astros the edge here with home field. Um, I, I, I think that uh, they're also a more experienced lineup. Uh, I've got the Astros in, in, in six as well. Um, but I really hope that what we get is four matchups of Scherzer and Cole and Verlander and Strasburg, and we watch great pitching for the ages because – I can't. I, I the playoffs only reinforce this after you watch a, a mediocre team for 162 games. But with with games on the line, well pitched games are really exciting to watch because there is the un the uncertainty of what's going to happen. It seems like now during the season you just wait around. Okay, two of these guys are going to hit That's home gonna, runs yeah. at some point in time. Now it, it is. To watch guys who are so elite execute these game plans, it's great. The The only problem I think that you're going to see is I think that we talk about Scherzer and Strasburg and, and Verlander and Cole, and at the end of the day, what's going to determine the world it's champion fair. is guys other than, than those pitchers. It's going to yeah. be other uh, other pitchers who come in either after them or who start other games than them. Um, and, and I just I, I feel like the Astros have a little bit of an edge there. And that's all I've got, Kevin. Well, that sounds really good to me, Kevin. Thanks very much. All right. Well, I, I, I would like you to go pick up your truck. I hope it, I hope everything's okay. Me too. I was not the bill's not too high, so we'll see. Um. Well, uh, it sounds like an exciting day for you. I, I'm gonna, there we go. I'm going to go home and uh, check out, see what's uh, what's going on with the dogs at home. Good for you. Yeah. All right, then, Evan. Thanks. Thanks, David. Take Thank care, you. Kevin. All right, uh, Kevin, th- uh, thank you, Kevin, for joining us. David, thank you for being here. Evan, thank you. My um, our producer is shaking his head in disgust. Brian, what's wrong? Is it the fact he that did. my mouth and brain don't <laughs> seem to work together anymore? It's an exciting ending you and Kevin gave there. Kevin clearly <laughs> wanted to get off the phone. <laughs> Clearly, finish strong. Finish strong. Clearly had no use for me at that point. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening, and we will speak to you again next week. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.